Welcome back to the CBCS Travel Podcast. My name is Anastasia Davi. I am the Community Life Prefect here on campus, and today we are joined with Eric Williams. He is the youth pastor at South Shores Church. He's been leading students um, in their walk with Christ since the 90s, and he's excited to share his message called Good Day, Bad Days. That's right. Without any further ado, here is Eric Williams. Your parents, some of your moms, have been documenting your life on Instagram since you were born. If we scroll back, we could see your first day of kindergarten. You're standing on the porch in your new outfit, and there's a chalkboard next to you that says first day of kindergarten, and there's your picture. Raise your hand if that picture exists on your mom's Instagram. Yes. And that was a big day. It was a big day. Not to be beaten out by the last day of kindergarten growing up so fast. That's a big day. And then it's trumped only by the first day of first grade. There's your picture on the porch, same chalkboard, different writing, the big day, the first day. And then that's beaten out by the last day of first grade. They grow up so fast. Now, I've been working with teenagers for so long before the internet. There was a before the internet. Did you guys know that? The world existed before that. But teenagers were kind of kind of the same in, in that they struggled with similar challenges. And I'm telling you this because I've seen teenagers who actually get older. They lose their hair, some of them. Yeah. Some of them get married, and they put that on Instagram. And then some of them have kids. That's a big deal. That's a big day. And now it's going to get a little bit darker in here. I've had students who pass away. They die. It's not really how it's supposed to happen. The older people are supposed to go first. But I've seen young people who are supposed to be vibrant and young, physically they die. They pass away. One of my former students, she died in 20, 2011. She had been out of high school about six years. She overdosed on drugs. She'd come to church a lot. She had kind of sung the songs. She went to camps. She kind of hung around with a lot of good kids. You know what that means. But after high school, her life took a hard shift away from the things of God. If you looked at her life, you would not assume she loved God, followed God, or anything. But here's what's interesting. Anyone in here ever been to a funeral before? Many of you? Okay, good. At Tabitha's funeral, every person who got up front and talked, talked as if they knew that Tabitha was in heaven. And I thought, is she? I don't know. I mean, I don't want to say she's not, like raise my hand, get things thrown at me. But everyone's like, oh, Tabitha's up in heaven looking down at us. But I thought, I don't know that Tabitha did go to heaven. I don't know for sure, but I don't think so. But here's another unusual thing. Almost every funeral I've ever been to in my life, everyone talks like the person who died went to heaven. I can't think of a funeral. Actually, I can think of one. This is kind of strange. 
I was asked to do a funeral for an atheist. And the, the man who died, his wife came to me and she said, I would like you to do this service for him, but, but let's call him Brian. Brian has been an atheist as long as I've known him. And to honor him, we want to remove God from the service. And I said, no, I'm not doing the service then. She's like, but we need you to. I said, well, then I'm going to talk about God because he exists. And I'll mention that Brian didn't believe in him. And so I had to do a funeral for Brian. And this was the first time where I've ever had a funeral where people acknowledged that Brian didn't go to heaven because Brian didn't believe in God and believe in heaven. But if God is real, if Jesus is who he says he is, Brian didn't go to heaven. That's scary. So the question we're kind of wrestling with this morning is, does everyone go to heaven? In Disney movies, they do. Does every person go to heaven? Jesus has an answer for this. If you have a Bible, you can look at Matthew chapter 7. But here's what Jesus said, talking about this. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day... Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out demons in your name and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, this is heavy from Jesus, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. These are really heavy words from Jesus. These are words coming from the Son of God who's going to be the judge of all people. And according to Jesus, don't tell your grandma this, not everyone goes to heaven. This is heavy for another reason. Jesus didn't say this to a group of murderers or criminals, but he said it to people who considered them his followers, to people who looked like they went to a Christian school. And he said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter heaven. But I think the heaviest phrase in what he just said was, on that day. Jesus spoke of a specific day that's super, super important. And it's even more important than your first day of kindergarten. It's even more important than your first time riding a bike, as adorable as that was. It's more important than your first iPhone. It's more important than your first day of high school, your first dance, your first college, your first wedding, your first child, your first whatever, this day is more significant than all of those because this day that Jesus is talking about makes every other day that we think is important look insignificant. And it's the day that every single human has to deal with. No one gets out of it. Your mom can't write you a note and excuse you. It's the day of judgment when we all stand before God. And it's not comfortable to talk about this. I get that. But the Bible talks so much about that day. And no one spoke more about this day than Jesus. And Jesus even told a story about what this day will be like. And he said it kind of matter-of-factly. He told it about a shepherd. He says that on that day, this shepherd is going to separate the people. He describes one group as sheep who will get in. And he says the other group, those are going to be goats and they're out. In Revelation chapter 20, that day is described as a day when all people, dead or alive, are going to have to stand before God, and each will be judged according to their, their works, how they lived. And this is the day when there's going to be big distinctions, and for some people it's going to be a day of celebration, and for some people it's going to be a day that they're thrown out. 
And what's kind of scary in what we saw from Jesus' words, there's going to be people who fully expected to get into heaven on that day, but they're going to be shocked when they're turned away by Jesus. Jesus actually says it's going to happen to many people. But the good news is none of us have to experience that shock because Jesus knows, he wants you to know what it takes to be with him in heaven. He doesn't want any of you to be separated from him. He wants all of us to come to him in repentance. And this isn't comfortable, but I hope with the uncomfortability this morning, you can kind of face the reality of that day because Jesus really wants to let us know what it takes to be allowed into heaven. And what Jesus shows us is that getting into heaven is not just about you being kind of cool with Jesus. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will get into heaven. And while it is correct to call Jesus Lord, that's true, and no one can actually be saved without saying what's true about Jesus, but the point is, is Jesus is warning all of us that just talking about Jesus, being okay or open to Jesus and saying Jesus things is not enough to get you there. Some people were going to be shocked on that day because they thought Jesus was their Lord. They were cool with Jesus, so cool with Jesus, they even called him Lord with, with excitement. But Jesus gives us this really heavy warning that by itself, that seems to be not enough. And then he goes on and he says, it's not even enough to just do things for Jesus. He mentions people who said, Lord, We've prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. Many people will think that because they did stuff for Jesus, maybe they led at VBS one summer. Maybe you went on a missions trip. Maybe you worked at a food bank. Maybe you went to a Christian school. Whatever you think you've done for Jesus, a lot of people are going to think because they've done that, for that reason, they'll get into heaven. But Jesus says, no, Don't be tricked by just that, because Jesus says on that day, people are going to be confused. They'll make the case to Jesus, Jesus, I did this, this, and this for you. I should be allowed in. But Jesus is going to say to some of these people, no. And they might have done good things. That's true. And maybe they thought they did them for Jesus. But Jesus is going to say something scary to them when he's going to say, I don't know you. I never knew you, Jesus says. Really what he's saying is never at any time have I had a relationship with you. Heavy. People were convinced they were doing things in Jesus' name, but as far as Jesus was concerned, all they did was break his laws. He calls them lawbreakers. That's a horrible surprise, and I hope no one in this room has to hear those words. So there's The people who try to get into heaven just by being cool with Jesus or by doing good things for Jesus, they are missing things. And lastly, Jesus is going to show us something that a lot of you know, that getting into heaven is really about having a legit, real relationship with Jesus. A relationship of submission where we come to him in repentance That's how it's done. To some people, Jesus said, I never knew you. And so to those people, he says, you're you're out. But to the others, he says, I did know you. And that's how we enter heaven, through a real relationship with Jesus where he actually knows us.
Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will go to heaven. But to some who say, Lord, Lord, they will. Those are the people who know Jesus. So what does that mean to know him? A lot of us are around church and, and the things of the Bible so much we think we know. But let's cover it again. There's basically two things to be connected to Jesus in that relationship. One of them is doing the will of God. Not to get him to like you, but doing what he says, obeying him. And the, other, the second one is being known to him. Being known to him. And those are like two of the same things, obeying God and being known by him. They kind of, they should go hand in hand. One time someone asked Jesus, Jesus, what do we do? What shall we do that we might do the works of God? And Jesus said, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he sent. And so that's really God's will for you and me that we acknowledge that Jesus is God, that he's our savior to save us from our sins, and that we trust in him for our salvation. That's how we enter into a relationship with him. And hopefully that's the point when we begin to obey him, that his will and way shapes our life, not this world. So you don't just do good things to get to heaven, and you don't get to heaven by doing stuff for Jesus. You gain access to heaven through a real and personal relationship with Jesus. But once you're in that relationship with Jesus, you show or you demonstrate the reality of it, the genuineness of it by a life that obeys him. And it's not shaped by the world. It's not shaped by your friends. It's not shaped by your preferences. It's shaped by Jesus. And so the question to maybe ask you that you should ask yourself is this, what are you banking on? What are you trusting in? What are you leaning on to be with Jesus in heaven? Are you banking on just knowing a lot of facts about the Bible or Jesus? Are you banking on how long you've gone to church, etc.? Are you banking on the good stuff that you've done? You picked up trash on the beach to save the environment and the whales? Are you banking on that stuff? Are you banking on the fact you own seven CVCS retreat sweatshirts? Are you banking on any of those things? Because what Jesus is showing us this morning is that there's only one thing that will be enough for us to be granted access into heaven, and that's when we hear Jesus say to you, to you personally, oh, you, I know you, I've known you, I have a relationship with you, I recognize you as my own. See, there's going to be some people who roll in and be like, Jesus, I'm here, and he's like, do I, do I know you? No, I know everything, and I don't know you. We're not connected. But Jesus, I'm wearing a retreat sweatshirt, he's like, yeah, but I don't know you. And to some people, he's going to be like, Peter, Marjorie, those are really old names. Let's do younger. Uh, Jackson, uh, Xander, uh, those are a little more modern. The whole goal, though, is that you don't just phone it in, do the bare minimum, and hope you get to heaven. That's not what Jesus is like. I want to know you. That's where real life is found. And so we enter into a relationship with Jesus when you confess and admit to him, I'm a screwed up sinner and I need your saving. When you place your faith 
in Jesus, not your own good works about Jesus. When you thank God in prayer and you put your faith in him that he died in your place for your sin, and then the big thing, you follow him daily. You follow him daily, obeying him. On that day that Jesus is talking about, that day of judgment, that day when you stand before God, the goal is that Jesus smiles at us when you come in. He welcomes you and says, I know you. I know you. And, but that's going to require that we walk with him in a personal relationship of love with him. Now, even though you're young, even though the world expects you to, to not walk with Jesus at all, that the world will even put, put you down and tease you for following Jesus and obeying Jesus. But I pray that you guys will enter into that relationship with Jesus today or maintain that and keep following Jesus. And I hope that this one thing happens. I hope that your readiness for that day, you're so ready for that day that whether you, as I often kind of morbidly joke, if you get hit by a Prius on your e-bike this afternoon and die, you'll be ready. Or let's say you make it to 112 because you were vegan your whole life and you died in a bed wearing diapers at 112 and you pass sweetly into the hereafter and Jesus sees you. No matter when it happens, I hope that you'll be so ready for that day, your relationship with Jesus so real that it will transform every other day of your life from here until that point. Your first day of kindergarten is important. Your first day of seventh grade, pretty, pretty good. But I know you're all thinking about the last day of school anyway. Every important day of your life should be overshadowed by the day that Jesus gently warned us about to be ready for. He wants you to be ready. He went to the cross so that you could be ready for it. We sang such sweet songs to remind us what Christ has accomplished for us so that we can be ready for that day. Join me in prayer, and let's ask him that. Lord Jesus, you've made it possible for something impossible to happen. Any man, woman, or child, any boy or girl who recognizes you as God and who puts their trust and faith in you and walks a life of obedience, they can be saved, they can be ready to meet you, no matter when that is. And I pray you'd help them to know that a life lived for you is the most satisfying, joy-filled life that there is. That there is no hope or life outside of you. It might appear that way on the surface, but when you scratch beneath, Lord, it's, it's empty. I pray you teach these students. Give them the wisdom to shape their life around you. Give them the wisdom to live their life ready for that day that it might shape the way they live every other day until the day you call them home. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this school, for these teachers, helping these students keep their attention and their hearts shaped by you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
What a beautiful message. Thank you so much. Um, I'm now joined with Eric Williams in the podcast studio for a short interview. So let's get into it. My first question is just tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I am a person who never expected to get into youth ministry, but the Lord tricked me into youth ministry uh-huh. about 30 <laughs> years ago by by using a girl I was dating to start volunteering in middle school ministry. And the Lord never let me out of it. Uh-huh. And what I discovered <laughs> is that it is so fun and equally challenging to help teenagers, to encourage teenagers to look at Jesus, consider the claims that he makes, and to help try to convince them that the words that he gives them are the truest words ever that their life should be shaped by. And so Mm -hmm. I've never given that up. That's amazing. Thank you. That's such a a unique and fun story. I love it. Um, What do you hope students walk away with from your message today? Well, my goal was to maybe in part rattle the cage a little bit because all mm-hmm. of us tend to default to what's comfortable and what's easy Absolutely. or what we can just get done by tomorrow Yeah. because we're totally. constantly bombarded with to-do lists and homework and, and the daily tasks and we'll do, we default to what's easy. And in mm-hmm. our faith, that's a really scary thing because there's yeah. consequences with that. And so I was trying to rattle us a little bit and to confront us with what Jesus said about the day of judgment to help us wrestle with now rather than later the consequences of that. Um, Because a lot of us are thinking about, you know, I'll get back with Jesus after college, after I've Mm -hmm. had my fun. I'll get back with Jesus when I get married and have kids and like I get serious. But that's a super dangerous slash unwise slash immature way to look at your faith. And so it's this maybe message was a low key way of saying to all of us, What if you're not saved, Mm -hmm. even though you've been going to CVCS since kindergarten? Yeah. Because that's possible. And it's not something I'm excited about, but it's something that I've meet students all the time and see that their life is filled with a lot of good things, good grades, good friends, blah, blah, blah. But it comes down to it, is Jesus, do they worship Jesus with their life? And sometimes mm-hmm. the answer is no. They worship things where Jesus is because that's where their friends are. That's right. where that's where affirmation is found. But they, they've missed the actual Jesus part. Yeah. And so I guess it's really about not missing Jesus, even though you might be around him mm-hmm. or, or around people who are around him. And so that's where I was trying to go is help us all get sort of uncomfortable so we can can evaluate where we're at and see how we might need to move towards him. Yeah, I think that message really resonates with um, just a Christian school in general Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of students get confused or just lost thinking that they're Christian because they're surrounded by a Christian culture. Yeah. Um, But I think just your point that like your relationship with God is ultimately like if that's shallow or if it's like something deep that you're constantly diving into, like that is what's going to determine if your judgment day is a day of celebration or mm-hmm. devastation, as you said. Yeah. And so I just, I think that's a really important kind of like call to action for students, especially yeah. at a Christian school where it's easy to just, um, to just get trapped in the cycle of like motions, you know, like yeah. I go to chapel. It's I, so hard because, and it's not necessarily coming from a bad place at all. Even mm-hmm. if we just use us two as an right. example, if we polled the entire high school class about you mm-hmm. and is 
is Anastasia a Christian? What's her heart like? And just pulled, what would they assume? Oh, well, she's up front. She's got the microphone. She's obviously this. Right. And the same assumptions about me. Yeah. I was the quote unquote pastor with the microphone. Of course, his life is X. He would never have to question himself. But actually, we're two people in the positions that we are holding the microphones that we do. And yet Jesus would say to each of us, are you ready for that day? Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're, yes. you're, you're so. in a spotlight, but you and I need the message as much as anybody else does. And so it's a call for all of us to just be like super, maybe honest with ourselves, yeah. um, which is not easy to do, but being honest about where we're at and saying there's going to be some some of us that need to go, you know what, I need to... I've been straight up backing away from Jesus and I need mm-hmm. to walk towards him. So that was kind of the idea and kind of my whole, I guess my, my, to use the teenage word, my whole vibe as a oh. pastor and a communicator with teenagers primarily is to try to come at them from an angle they either weren't expecting or yeah. an angle that they, they were like, oh yeah, maybe just accessing them in a way rather than like here's the information you need accept mm-hmm. it it's good information rather yeah. like take the side door <laughs> use a use a way of thinking that they maybe use and then go oh yeah but this and then lead them to that information that Jesus has and uh, sometimes I find a little bit more um, impact with that and students the wall they, the walls they build are smaller mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's kind of the the angle I was thinking yeah no I think the overt honesty is shook up shook you know, the yeah. student body up, but in the best way possible. And That's I think great. sometimes we need those reminders of just like the gravity of this, of this moment mm-hmm. and how important our relationship is with God. Right. Um, so thank you so much. If people want to get um, connected with you or reach out to you, how could they do that? Um, I'm all, if they want to go to the South Shores Church website, southshores.org and just okay. find, find me, email me. Um, I'm on social media, but I never post. So you probably can't find me. <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, that's a great way. I we we serve middle schoolers, high schoolers, young adults in the youth area, mm-hmm. and um, we're nothing special. We just teach the Bible, have snacks, and um, <laughs> emphasis on the snacks, and just try to help students walk towards Jesus if they want to. So thank you. Happy to help if I can. Yes, thank you so much. This episode has been a production of the Capistrano Valley Christian Schools Podcast Network. Capistrano Valley Christian Schools is a Christian JK-12 school in San Juan Capistrano, California. Be sure to check out, subscribe to, and leave a review of this show and the other shows on our network on your podcast player of choice. Doing so supports the school community in a multitude of ways. For more information about the CVCS Podcast Network or any of our other shows, check out cvcs.org or email podcasts at cbcs.org. On behalf of the whole network, this is Mr. Jasper saying thank you again for listening and stay tuned for more.